We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. The Word of the Lord has the capacity to transform life. Was also that for every situation of life, pleasant or pleasant, there are corresponding scriptures to back them up. Was also the fact that there is no believer who can say that the Lord does not speak to them because the written word is God's voice unto man. Glory to Jesus. I will take us through the book of Matthew chapter number 4 how our Lord and Savior Jesus himself was tempted you know of the devil led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and each time that the devil tempted Jesus Jesus was dishing it back to the devil on the word he was giving it back to the devil on the word Bible says at some point in verse number 11 it says the test was over and the devil left him the test was over and the devil left him the devil left him Jesus did not leave the devil was the one who took his bow you know and left he left and the test became over simply because Jesus stood on the word glory to God Jesus stood on the word so I remember saying to us that before you begin to seek counsel from people ask what does the word say before you begin to feel worthless ask yourself what does the word say for the situation of your life right now as it were there is a word it becomes your responsibility to fish out the word relevant to the face of life that you're in. And as a matter of fact, until a man fishes out that right scripture for the face of life, victory is never going to be in sight. Victory only comes at the point when man has found out, you know, the scripture that is very relevant to the face or situation of life that man may be in. A man then begins to walk in the reality of that scripture. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Before you let the praises of men get into your head, ask yourself, what does the word say? I told us last week Sunday, they are hurt, they are abuses, they get at you simply because their praises also get into your head. If their praises do not get into your head, their hurt and abuses will not get into your heart. Guide your heart with all diligence. Bible says, for out of it proceeds the issues of life. It's good to be validated by man, but much more, you must ensure that your validation is actually found, you know, in the word of the Lord and what the word of the Lord says, not in what man says. Because man will come to you today and tell you how amazing you are, then tomorrow they will turn to you and say you're actually very worthless. When I said it then, it was a, mis- it was a slip of tongue, you know, I actually didn't mean it. Man could open his mouth, you know, to say to you things they actually don't mean. Bible says in Proverbs 23 from verse number 7, he says, as he thinks in his heart, he says, that is the way he is. So he can tell you A, but his heart is actually thinking B towards you. 
But you see, the God that you serve is not like that. If he tells you it is well with you, you don't have to second guess if he truly it is well with you or not. He says what it means, and it means whatsoever thing he says. That's God for you. Glory to Jesus. It is a man that will see you today and describe you as the sugar, you know, in his tea, in his coffee. As the egg in his egg roll. Glory to God. The fish in his fish roll. He would use all manner of adjectives, you know, to qualify you. Just such that you feel fly. Then some other time he will look at you and say, how did I end up with you? This is one of the reasons why you don't want your life to be led by the verdict of man. Before you believe what people say about you, what does the word say? Glory to God. In Matthew chapter number 14 that we read, we saw something quite very poignant. And Minister Jimmy also touched on this a little bit during the first service. My focus this morning is to open our eyes to sin. Yes, now you know what the word says concerning that situation. I want to teach you and open your eyes to seeing how you can begin to align your sense organs um, to be in conformity with the exact thing the word of the Lord says. Some know what the word says, but their sense organs, you know, is saying something contrary to what the word of the Lord says. And as long as you allow your five senses or your sense organs to be saying something else outside what the word of the Lord says, it is that sense organs, you know, that will be elevated above the spirit. This is also one of the reasons why Paul speaking says it is the just, you know, it is the responsibility of the just to live by faith, not by sight. Glory to Jesus. So in Matthew chapter number 14, we saw in there, specifically speaking, if you read from verse number um, um, 28, Bible says, and no, let me even start from 22 and run it through just to help our understanding a little bit. My elder says Jesus walks on the sea. 22 says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. 25 says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. I needed to note that. Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 29. So Jesus said to him, come. Just one word. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Let me break that um, verse 29 down a little bit for you. So he said, come. This teaching is simply titled, what does the word say? 
Last week Sunday, I had established that when I say, what does the word say? I'm not just talking about the logos, the written word of the Lord. I'm also talking about the prophecies and the words of proclamation, words of, of, of affirmations, prophecies that you've held on to. I told us as a ministry that the word, the written word, that's the Bible, the Holy Bible, and the word proceeding out of the mouth of a genuine servant of the Lord, they hold the same waters. There is no difference. Because the written word itself, the Bible itself, Bible says only men wrote as they were giving utterances. So all that Jesus said to Peter here was come. That was what the word said. Come. You see, many times to navigate that very unpleasant phase of life that you're in, sometimes we also don't need too many words. Just one word is enough. You remember the story of that centurion? When Jesus said he was going to come to his house, he said to Jesus, no, don't come to my house. I'm also a man who has people on them. I said to one, go, he goes, come, he comes. I said, do this, he does. He said, you just sent the word. You just sent the word. So the word that Jesus gave to Peter here was to come. And Bible says, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. In actual fact, he began to indeed walk. The same thing they saw Jesus doing, Peter also was able to begin to be doing the same thing. Don't forget that in previous verses, they never really believed that that was Jesus. You don't want to test, uh, I don't know what word to use right now, but you don't want to attempt to, you know, is there an ocean around here? Maybe, what do you have? Waskana Lake, right? Even on ice, on ice, you don't want to attempt to go and walk on ice <laughs> for fear of it, you know, breaking. And so now imagine someone being suspended, you know, and walking on water. Look at the next verse now, 30. So in 29, we saw it that he already began to walk on water. Look at 30. But when Peter, number one, saw, I need you to follow me. My focus this morning is very simple. It's for you to be able to understand how you can, you know, com command, you know, and, and realign your sense organs, you know, to do exactly what the word says. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he saw, number one, that's the sight, one of your sense organs. Take a look at Then he became afraid because he saw. Because he saw, he became afraid. And what then happened? Bible says, beginning to sink. Look at He saw, he became afraid, then he began to sink. That means that somewhere in between that line or in between those few seconds or minutes, Peter had forgotten the word that Jesus spoke to him. Come. Because you cannot have that same word. Come. And became afraid. 
The fact that he was afraid there is a proof of faithlessness. Bible says, and then he began to sing. So the Lord had given him the word, come. And in actual fact, he had begun to come. But he saw. What did he see? He saw that the wind was boisterous. Meaning that he cast off his gaze from the one who had asked him to come. He didn't catch that. Jesus said to him, come. So all he needed to do was to keep his gaze on Jesus and be looking up to him this way and be marching forward to him. But he didn't do that. He began, he began, I mean, he, he, he started, you know, beginning to become so carried away by all the ephemeral things and the impossibility of the reality of things he was actually walking in. So, come. He had begun to come. He was already walking on water. I figured that at some point, he began to then say to himself, is this truly me? This water, is, is it truly water that I'm actually walking on? Then at some point, he took his gaze off the one who had given him the word. And he began to sink. When, because he took his gaze off Jesus, he saw something else that he shouldn't have seen. It is the same thing with the states of our lives. When your gaze is cast off Jesus, you begin to see every other thing contrary to the word that the Lord has spoken to your life. You're coming to Canada, for example. The Lord had given you a word. That land is already prepared for you. I've already gone ahead of you. It is settled. You will not beg you, nor borrow. Your life here will be better than what it was where you were coming from. Then you came here. And maybe unfortunately, you now began to also mingle, you know, with people who, who lack direction and focus for life around here. Those one who rallies on, you know, we are immigrants, so we can never succeed. It is not our father's land and, you know, all those people. Then you now begin to say, actually, those things God told me then may actually not be true. See, when God gives you the word, you don't compare the realities against God's word. You don't, you don't compare the realities of what you're saying against God's word. God's word is truer than the situation of your life. So a man does not say, I'm holding on to the word right now. Then you look around and begin to then see some other things and you then begin to say, oh no, actually, that which I was holding on to, I was only being foolish. There is just such thing, you know, sometimes when you're walking in faith, some people who don't understand the realities of what you're walking in would actually say that you're foolish. But you see, that's one of the things that Jesus does. He uses the foolish things of this world to confirm the wise. I remember when I was moving over here in 2016, a friend up until this moment, you know, we're not in good terms anymore. 
Why? Because he didn't see any sense in me abandoning all that God was doing through me in Nigeria and choosing to come over here where I knew no bird. But you see, the Lord had said it. He had given me a word. Peter, everything was fine until he began to see. You're sick in your body. The Lord had used his servant to prophesy over your life. Maybe you attended, say, retreat, for example, where there is free flow of word of knowledge and prophecies. And maybe your case was actually called. Then you go home. Say, and actually, Pastor said, that person will paint on the lower abdomen is healed. Then as you're going, you then begin to think, is he actually healed or is he not healed? Am I good or am I not good? The devil will keep telling you that you're not good, you're not healed. And the moment you elevate whatsoever nonsense is saying to you above the word of the Lord, it begins to control your life. I've shared with us as a ministry repeatedly. There are three things the word of the Lord does not do. It does not change. The word does not lie. You know what? The one I love the most, it does not fail. Celebrate Jesus coming. So what he saw made him to become afraid. And what happened? He began to sink. Because the moment fear, you see, you cannot have fear and faith at the same time. The moment fear gets into it, ah, sinking is the next phase. Sinking is, some people are not sinking in the ocean. They are sinking in depression. They are sinking in mental health issues. Sinking in impossibilities. Some are sinking. Some of you under the sound of my voice. You're sinking in self-pity. Some of you are sinking in you're never good enough. Sinking does not necessarily mean that you, you have the water, you're working on the water and you're sinking. No. In this, in this context, I'm saying sinking for you may also be you wallowing in that thing that does not glorify God. But Peter just didn't begin to sink. He began to sink because he saw. And you see, you can look at the situation of your life and say, the reality of what I'm going through it does not make it possible for me to truly believe God and that God is able to do the things that he's able to do in my life. That is the reason why you cannot judge God's word again with the reality of your life. The world does not determine the reality of your life. The word determines the reality of your life. The situations of life 
do not determine that. That's not the reality. Situations of life do not determine the reality of your life. Bible says, what will look not are the things which are which seen, but the things which are not seen. You don't get it? The, 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 the world does not determine what is real to us. No. You see, in Christ Jesus, as a New Testament believer, one of the best things you can ever do for yourself is to consciously shut your sense organs against anything that does not glorify God. Minister Jumi was ministering during first service and she was saying that she does not have the patience. She cannot even listen to some of these songs that some of you listen to. I was glad when I heard that because it feels good to know that I'm actually not alone. Glory to God. On Thursday when we were driving to Winnipeg, you know, my son in the gospel, okay, I think he was the one who drove when we were going, you know, and they were playing worship songs, you know, and all sorts. And I said, uh, I said, I've not heard Bonaboy. You've just been playing Sinatra, you've been playing uh, Maverick City, you've been playing all of this guy. I said, play Bonaboy. I said, I know pastor. I said, hey, because pastor is in the car. This is the lesson I want to bring out. You guys, let me preach. I'm trying to comfort my <laughs> glory to God. Come on, celebrate Jesus. When we were, I, I don't know, maybe when we were coming back. When we were coming back, I remember it was Brother Samuel who drove. So, but my question I think was targeted at, at targeted at Brother O'Ken. And I said to him again, I said, ah. I said, you've just been playing worship, 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 praise, praise, and all. And as I was playing, I was, was jiving in the spirit, you know, to this. You see, okay, let me digress a little bit. Worshiping God while driving makes your journey pleasurable. You need to try it. Okay, let me leave that aside. So I came back to O'Kean and I said, said to him, I said, ah, I said, try and do Bonaboy too. He said something to me. He said, Pastor, no. Not that life again. I thought someone would celebrate Jesus. He said, he said, not that life again. I said, why? He said, no, he said, he said, not that life again. I said, you can try. He said, no. See, as a man begins to grow in the faith, you begin to naturally, by default, shed off certain nonsense. No, 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 nobody will tell you. You just know that your life actually does not align, does not fit with this kind of things anymore. To now encourage the both of them and Brother Mafenga at the back of the car too, I now told them, when I stopped taking alcohol was when my mate began to display bottles of alcohol in bars, in parties on Facebook. I started drinking when I was in secondary school. By the time I stopped, <laughs> don't mind that. By the time I stopped taking alcohol, that was the point when my mates were starting. I felt that that was what you know was happening to him. The point I'm trying to make is that your eyes need to be properly reconditioned. Do you know that as it relates to the realms of the spirit, the things you see determines the kind of things your spirit can perceive. Peter was fine until he saw. And what he saw was the wind. He did not see Jesus. He saw the wind. 
What's the wind in your own life? He saw that the wind was boisterous. What represents that wind in your own life? Your academic pursuit. Your career advancement. Your finances. Your marital settlement. Your health. What, what represents the wind in your own life? Peter saw the wind. He, saw, he just didn't see it. He knew what was going on in the life of the wind. He knew that the wind was boisterous. You don't confess negativity into your life. What you do as a believer is to bring the unpleasant situation in your life to the obedience of God's word. And I told us more than one, you know, I mean many times repeatedly. Faith is not for meditation. Faith is for confession, for declaration. You don't meditate on faith. You meditate on God's word. When the word produces enough, you know, energy in, inside you, then you open your mouth and then begin to declare. What does the word say? What does the word say? If it is contrary to the word, don't let it control your life. If it is contrary to the word, don't let it control your life. See after me. I am led by the word. The word controls my life. The word controls my situation. Not my sight. Not what people are saying. But the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew chapter number 12 verse number 37. Jesus speaking says. For by your word, your word you will be justified. By the words of your mouth. And by it also you will be condemned. What does the word say? Don't say, Pastor, you know, these things that you're saying, they sound so great, but this, but this, but that. You see, there is no but this, but this, but this. There is no but in the word. For you as a New Testament believer, the word is filled, you know, with all positivity. For the devil, it is full of negativity. I told us the word was written for you not against you it was written for you and against the devil if you see it in the scripture it is yours for taking it was not reserved for the devil you can feel all down you can feel all low you can feel as though nothing is working question what word are you holding on to they either wait upon the Lord Shall renew theirs, they shall mount up. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not fall. For your children, has the Lord given you a word? I know someone is saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not married, Pastor, I'm not even in a relationship. Okay. It's because you've not also seen the reality of your life in the scripture. Because if you've seen it, you would have seen your future. You're not married right now, but you know your spouse is coming. You know that your children, they are coming, as many of them that you desire to have. What word has the Lord given you? You're a single brother, a single sister. What does the word say about your home? Believers don't get ready. You get it? Believers don't what? We don't get ready. We live ready. 
glory to Jesus. What does the word say? For me, for example, sometimes I think about the ark. And I remember 2 Samuel chapter number 7, 9 to 11. I remember the word my mom has given me concerning that project. It comforts me. 2 Samuel 7, 9 to 11 says, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. A place of theirs. He says, I will plant them there, a place where they would not have to move anymore. And where the sons of the daughters of, of, of the wicked will no longer afflict them. So every time I think about the ark, I remember this scripture. And I say, Lord, thank you because you prepared that place for us. As I begin to bring the service to a close, let me take us through the book of Acts. Very quickly. Acts chapter number 23, verse 11. Let's begin from there first. Acts chapter number 23, from verse number 11. Do, do, do. Again, I do. Again, I do. Do, 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 do. Thank you, Jesus. Again, I do. Again, I do. We say thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 23 from verse number 11. I've done a teaching on this already during um, Biblio. But I feel that it is important for us to go through it. Acts chapter number 23 verse number 11. Bible says, but the following night, the Lord stood by him, that was Paul, and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also be a witness at Rome. Glory to Jesus. I need us to then flip our Bibles open to the book of Acts still. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. Let's read from verse number 9. What does the word say? You saw what the word said to him already, right? In 23 verse 11. The word had said to him, you would be also, you would also witness to me in Rome. Acts 27 from verse number 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and sheep, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the sheep than by the things spoken by Paul. In other words, they didn't take him seriously. You don't know any jack about sheep. You're only a passenger. Just shut up, sit down, and let's sail to Rome. They didn't believe whatever thing he was saying to them. Glory to God. In verse number 12. And because their harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest, 
and northwest and wintered there. 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained the desire, putting out to sea, they sat close by Crete, but not long after, but not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose called Erocladon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clother, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the surface. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm trying to, you know, run um, faster. Let's take from verse 21 now. 21 says, But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. 22. And now I urge, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the sheep. Look at 23 now. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong. Glory to God. An angel of the God to whom I belong and, serve, and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Go back to 23 verse 11. Take a look at 23 verse 11. But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so also you must be a witness at Rome. Let me give us a bit of a context. They were journeying from... They were journeying to Rome and a tempestuous wind, you know, arose. Paul hadn't gotten to Rome. He boarded a ship heading to Rome. Then the wind or the stormy situation arose and Paul said, you all should have actually listened to me when I said that we should not move forward. But you see, in the other, in chapter number 24, go back to that chapter 28, sorry, chapter 28, glory to God. 20, 27, sorry, 27 from 24. 27 from 24, he reminded them and said to them, the angel of the Lord stood by me and said to me, the same way you testified of me in Jerusalem, that's the same way you will testify about me in Rome. They were not in Rome yet. They were joining to Rome. So what is the lesson here? The lesson is that sometimes the Lord gives you a word for this season just to protect your future. Let me give you a clear example. You are not married, but the Lord has given you a word concerning your home. The Lord gives a word uh, for the place you've not been to preserve. I mean, the Lord gives you a word for the place you are right now to protect and preserve the place you've not been to. Like a used case of immigration, for example, you are an immigrant, you are trusting God for a status in this country, for example. But the Lord had given you a word and perhaps maybe spoken to you by a servant or maybe a word had been declared over you that a citizenship was conferred on you. 
Yet right now as you speak, you are out of status. So what the word of the Lord does is that because of the word that has been spoken into your future, it comes whatsoever storm that is in your present. You are not in the future yet. You are still in the present. But you've got a word in the present to, 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 to cover and protect whatsoever thing that will happen tomorrow. That's what the Lord does. You are not married, for example. But the Lord has revealed to you the sex of your baby. So the meaning then becomes, if the Lord had revealed the sex of your baby to you and you are not married, that tells you that you should not be too bothered about your lack of not being married or your inability to be married for now. This was what happened, you know, to Paul. As they were still, he knew. The Lord had told me, the same way I testified of him in Jerusalem is the same way I'm going to testify of him in Rome. So if this ship likes, let it break into pieces. I may be the only one surviving because that word has been given to me. My safety in this ship is certain. Are you all getting it now? So you don't understand exactly what is going on. Okay, you're a student. You've not graduated. But you, the Lord has revealed to you or given you a word about your graduation day. Maybe he had appeared to you in the dream and you've seen yourself clothed in your graduation gown. It means that when the courses that you're taking right now, they are getting super tumultuous and you feel like giving up you know, your academic pursuit, you'd remember, the Lord had shown you the destination already. So all that is happening right now, they're actually nothing compared to what the Lord has said to you. What does the word say? If you go on reading that same scripture and you keep on following it to the end, you would say it. Paul said to them, he said, I know that it's going to be unto me just as the Lord had revealed unto me. Because the Lord had said it. You see, as a student many years ago, you see, this life I'm living right now, it's no fluke. I'm, no, I, I saw it. I saw it. Do you know the kind of dreams I usually have? Should I, you, you all want to know. You all want to know. My dreams are usually around me worshipping, healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the gospel. Even when I was not a pastor of a church. Till today, I think a few days ago, I still have, okay now, I, I'm, look at me sharing the word with you considering how busy this past weekend, I mean, this weekend has been for me. Yet, I want to lay to bed this night or tomorrow, and the Lord will still lead me onto a place, me sharing the word with the people there. And sometimes I go, Lord, please, can I, let me just have a break. I've done this the day before or today already. Let me just, know. But you know what the Lord does with that? It takes me to places I'd be. Many times before people send invites to me to come and minister to them, I had done the ministrations in the realms of the spirit. 
she's laughing because sometimes I scare her. But it's not my intention to scare her. When you're married to, <laughs> to a Nazarite, <laughs> that's what happens. So I'll see myself ministering. So when I get to it, maybe the Lord just revealed to me and said, and I'm laying hands on the people, they're falling under the anointing, demons were being cast out, laying hands on the sick and come out, sick crutches being lifted up. And I'll look at the environment. Sometimes I see some of your faces, especially those who are very, very close to me. Sometimes the faces I see are attractively new people. I knew that the Lord was showing me where he's taking me to. Glory to God. What does the word say about your own future? I know what it says about mine. Proverbs number 4 verse 18. The path of the righteous man is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. Do you know that this year is the best year I've ever lived in my life so far? No, I'm not. If I lie to you, let the Lord deal with me. You don't know the confidence that I have because of this scripture, I would also stand before you next year to tell you that that next year is the best I've ever. That's God. Because the man chooses to align his path with God's and with God's word. It is what he says I do. That's what I do. To know what the word says. You've got to know what the word says. How do you know what it says if you don't know what the word says? To know what it says, you've got to know what the word says. Second Peter chapter number 2, verse number 2. It says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. You know what it means to desire? To crave glory to God. We are having a baby dedication in this service this afternoon. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Uluwatoni Loba is there at the back. Go and meet the mom. Or let him become hungry a little bit and see how he craves for milk. Peter was saying just like a baby will crave huh, to be fed for breast milk you also crave for the word of God. How many of us are truly craving? See, it says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The same way a baby grows by taking milk, by being breastfed, by giving him cereal or whatever thing you're giving, and the baby is growing, Peter was saying, that is the same way you should be craving after God's word, that you also may grow. God's desire is not for you who started the year 2021 on this level of Christianity and work with the Lord to be the same person who would end the year 2021 on the same level as Christians. You've got to grow, kingdom influencers. Many are not growing. Many are not growing. There is no longer attraction to be in the Lord's presence. You begin to choose what Sunday you want to come to church and what Sunday you don't want to go. I mean, we hold recharge here, right? Midweek service. Some don't show up, not because they have anything else doing. They just don't feel it is important. Peter saying, you want to grow, desire the sincere milk of the word. He says that you may grow thereby. 
desire the sincere milk of the word. Because the word has the capacity to cause man to grow. In James chapter number 1, and I end the service this, this afternoon with that. Glory to God. James chapter number 1. I think I'd like to see that in, ampli- um, in message translation. James chapter number 1, 21 to 25. James chapter number 1, verses 21 to 25. Message. Is that message? It says, so it's James. It says, so throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Have you seen a luscious green space before? Well landscaped? James is saying, allow God to do that work in you. See, I'm not craving you just coming into church. But should I tell you, nothing should hold you, a believer, back at home from being in God's presence. Except you have very compelling situation that you can actually face God and say, Lord, it's actually because of this that I can actually not make it. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Psalm 27 from verse number 4. Chapter number 27 verse 4. Say, and this will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. People don't have cravings for God's house anymore. So throw us part virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Making a salvation garden of your life. Go on. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener. When you're anything bad, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Same thing you're hearing right now. James here is saying, act on what you hear. Then he says, give me the next verse. He says, those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror. You've been in the Lord's presence today, for example. We've been talking about fear and faith and the need for you to cast your gaze upon the Lord. For you to trust the Lord wholly. Right? He's saying that when you hear and you don't do what the word says, he says, it is like you who glance in the mirror, go on. He says, you walk away and two minutes later, two minutes later, you have no idea who you are or what you look like. You took a look at yourself in the mirror. You can see yourself in the mirror right now. But you left that place where the mirror was and you cannot remember again what you look like. He says that is what the life of a man who hears the word but does nothing with the word. That's what that man's life looks like. I love the version that says, I love the version that says that. It says, he forgets who he really is. The lesson in this verse of the scripture is the word of the Lord is the believer's mirror. You want to know what you look like, you take a look at the word. It is the word that defines your life. 
The word tells who you are. The word tells what's going to become of your life. The same way you look at yourself in the mirror and you see yourself in the mirror. It is the same way you should be flipping through the pages of the Bible and be seeing yourself in the scripture. Go on to the next verse and we end the service. Glory to God. So, no now. You're going back. Hallelujah. 26 says, 26, from 26 now, it says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, no, let me start from 24. It says, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 25. Can you have 25 message translation? See, look at 25 now. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, not full eyes, not koro koro eyes, just, you just stylishly, you, you know, you caught a glimpse of what the Lord says that your life is about in his word. That's what James was talking about. He says, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, he is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find the light and affirmation in the action. That person will find the light and affirmation in the action. New King James Version says, He who looks, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What does the word say? You can't say you don't know what the word says again. Need I say that one way to build intimacy with the Lord would be for you to actually have a crave for the Lord more, for his presence and for his word. A crave for his word. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you also may grow thereby. Now grow up this afternoon in Jesus' name. Rise up on your feet. That's what I mean by grow up. Come and celebrate Jesus this moment. In Lofty Heights, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. You're under the sound of my voice, you're not saved. Or you once accepted the Lordship of Jesus, but you went back into the world. And you don't understand exactly all that is going on right now. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Would you please say these prayers after me? Dear Father, I thank you for your word that has gone forth to me this afternoon. I repent of my sins. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I confess that you died and you rose again. Please save me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me yours forever. From this moment on and even forevermore. If you've just said that prayer, I'd like to congratulate you this moment. Come and celebrate them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.